The following is a Journeywise Network production. So how are you going to get the new year started? Are you going to make a long list of all of the New Year's resolutions like I've done so many times in the past? Or are you going to possibly try a new hobby or make certain commitments that you tried to make last year, but this year is going to be the year you're going to do it? Well, New Year's resolutions, like any new beginning, are difficult, but it's important for us to have intersections in our lives where we're able to start new things, things that are going to make us healthier, things that are going to make us better than the year before. Uh, Now, of course, Jesus was always encouraging his disciples to do better. He was always encouraging and preparing them for the next season of life. When he called them for the first time, he would was calling them from a particular task or journey, but he was preparing their hearts as they would go to follow him. But then he began to prepare them for when he would not be with them. And of course, we all know about Acts 2, what a, what a great Pentecost, what a great time of new beginnings that was. But they were scary too. It was unsettling. I don't know about you. Uh, I've always done pretty well with change, but it wasn't my idea to have change be such a big part of my life. But because of my illnesses and because of certain things that I had to face, I always had to be prepared for things to change. I always had to be prepared for new things. Now, I have people in my life that do not like change at all. And change and starting something new is frightening to them. But most of the time, change becomes frightening to us because we don't feel prepared or we don't feel like we're adequate to start that new beginning. And so whether it's the start of a new year or a new job or a new place to live, being able to make that change really is about how we prepare ourselves and how we respond. Well, in writing a book uh, from a sermon series called You Can't Do Everything, So Do Something, what I discovered was is that there are some reasons why we sometimes are, are not able to start new things and why change is so scary But the Bible also gives us some great tools to be able to begin again. And I want us to talk about that today. So welcome to You Matter Podcast. I'm Shane Stanford. If you've purchased a copy of You Can't Do Everything, So Do Something, pull that out right now. If not, of course, we want you to get this. But uh, it it was during a time when acrostics were a big deal uh, in sermon development. Now, many of you remember uh, Rick Warren. Uh, Rick's a, a wonderful pastor, but he couldn't say good morning without making an, a, an acrostic out of it. And what that means is, is by taking the first letter of a point and then you put it together in a whole word that re- helps you remember what the points are. Well, that's what I did here in the every and in the some part of you can't do everything, so do something. And of course, thing being the, the two words that were at the end of every and some. And and what I wanted to take a look at in this particular book and what I ended up doing in this series was really thinking through why is it that we are not able to start new things healthy? Why is it so hard to do them well? Why do we push back so much when it's time for us to make transitions or to even just experience the transformation that God has in store for us? Well, I found that there really were some important things that I think keep us from being able to make those transitions. And maybe they're the things that are are holding you back in terms of the new resolutions for your life. Uh, Just as an example, if you take the E-V-E-R-Y, first of all, I discovered that we are not efficient enough. 
we are just broken people. And as many gifts as we may have, there will always be one element or one gift that we don't have that will always be the place that we have to work harder. And so because we are not enough efficiently, that means that we're going to have great strengths, but we also have to be willing to look at our weaknesses. If your strength is in tasks, but your weaknesses is in relationships, you're going to have to be very specific about how you address the relationships in your life, if it's the opposite or some variation in between. We also know that we're not oftentimes not versatile enough. The E, the V, see how we're going here? And so versatility is important because it allows you to, to pivot. It allows you to go in different directions that maybe are unplanned. It helps you to be flexible enough to be able to, to make adjustments along the way. And friends, I'll just tell you, I don't know of anyone who is absolutely perfectly versatile when it comes to things changing and new beginnings in their life. I know people who like change, but yet they will find that there's always a point, there's an element that maybe is too far. Why is that? Because versatility is about control. Uh, a person who has great flexibility but no control is a person who's going to fall down on a regular basis. But a person who's able to balance that becomes versatile. They become uh, able to make changes and new directions and to establish uh, new patterns as is so important. We also know that many of us don't have enough expertise to make all the changes that are needed in our life. Uh, I am uh, gifted in, in many things, uh, but uh, there are things that I am not gifted in. And if you don't believe me, just uh, ask my wife or my children. I remember one thing that uh, I decided in one of the houses where we lived was that I was going to caulk around the bathtub. And I had seen it done. I'd watched it on maybe HGTV or some other example given to me. And I thought, how hard can this be? Well, friends, you would have thought that, uh, that there was ice cream laying along the side of the bathtub. It was so thick. And I would try to spread it out in one place that I would get looking pretty decent, but I would mess it up in another. And I remember my wife looking at me, holding the caulker, going, you will never try this again. You just don't have the expertise to do it. Uh, now, if you want to break down a passage, exegete a passage of scripture, that's my thing. But I'm not going to do caulking anytime soon. We just don't have the expertise that we need. Many times we're not able to make changes because we don't have enough resources. We are limited. I would love to be a runner. I don't have the knees to do that. I would love to uh, play more golf. I don't have the resource of time in order to play it at the level that I would really love to play it. Um, we don't have enough resources for many different things. And so what we have to do is we have to budget our resource and we have to manage that. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But then the final thing that I think keeps us from making these changes in our lives is that we just don't always have the yearning. Now, you'll know I kind of did a little stretch there for that one to finish that acrostic out. But I want you to think of it this way. Do you always have the same drive to do the things you know are important for you to do? Do you have that drive every day? Well, if you do, you're very much in the minority. There are days when everyone, no matter how what our skill level is, no matter what our dynamic is, no matter what our circumstances are, we just don't have the, the yearning, the want to, in order to make the changes and to keep doing it. That's why New Year's resolutions, on average, by the seventh to eighth week, they are gone completely. And sometimes before the seventh to eighth day, you start to see them drop off. And so there are so many reasons why. 
Uh, it is hard for us to do everything, and it's because we just don't have all of the needed tools that are in, in, important for us to accomplish the wide variety of things that are good for us in mind, body, soul, and spirit. But we are able to do some things in each of those areas of our life, and that's what I wanted people to see when I was writing the book. Uh, take a moment, if you would, to please hit that subscribe button. And we also need you to do a five-star rating. And then, of course, we would love a review. We are a ministry of JourneyWise Network, and we would love to hear back from you. So go to journeywise.network and send us a message that we can share. God bless you. The first thing that's important whenever you're facing a new, year, new Year's resolution or a new beginning or a new season in your life is you have to be prepared to sacrifice. It's going to take you going the extra mile. It's going to take you knowing that you're not going to be able to do everything that you were doing because it doesn't help you to accomplish the things that are so important to you. And so sacrifice is an important part of New Year's resolutions. Uh, one of the things that uh, I remember when I went to a famous uh, leadership expert workshop is the first thing he said is that for everything you want to take on, write down something that you're going to give up. And I love that. Uh, we practice this particularly well during Lent when people will talk about what are you going to give up. Well, you, the, the real deal with Lent is that it's a balance. It's more of a balanced, equitable life than just sacrifice. Sacrifice becomes the part that leads you to that equitable life. But you want to be able to take up things that are healthy for you and let go of things that are not, or to let go of things that are keeping you from giving your full attention to God. But you can't do that at any level unless you begin with sacrifice. So my first question to you today as you begin the New Year's resolution is what are you going to sacrifice in order to make sure that you can give your full attention and to give your all of the, as much of your resources and your effort as possible uh, towards uh, these new beginnings in your life? The second thing is obedience. Of course, you know, you're, you're going to have to make way and you're going to have to make adjustments, but none of this is going to happen in terms of new beginnings unless you are obedient to what God is calling you to do, unless you are obedient to the schedule, unless you are obedient to the task and to the, and to the work that has to go into it. Um, I um, remember uh, when I was playing college golf that, you know, our coach uh, would always say, you know, you're only as good in the most pressure-packed parts of the day or the game or the round as your swing is in muscle memory, doing it without having to do effort. And the way you are able to fi find real muscle memory in a golf swing is you simply have to practice. You have to be obedient to practicing and hitting golf balls over and over again. Well, it's even more important in terms of the everyday beginnings of life and the new big ways that we're going to be healthier in mind, body, spirit, and soul. And so for you today, as you're beginning a new beginning in your life, my first question to you would be, is, are you prepared to be obedient? Are you prepared to stay the course? Uh, there's a, a wonderful documentary that just came out about uh, the... Uh, uh, Columbus when he was making his way to the New World. And one of the conversations was in, in this particular documentary was about how many times they wanted to turn around. I didn't realize that, you know, that there were, you just don't think about knowing how the story ends, that there would be times when they would want to go in a complete U-turn and, and go back where they came from. 
but they could not do that. They had to be obedient that whether this day went well or not, they had to start the next day going towards the goal. That's really what obedience is. You know the plan, you've set down the plan, you know your destination, and now you make one step in front of another, and you have to be obedient to that. So how are you going to be obedient to the new things that God is calling you to do in your life, particularly in this new year? Uh, the third thing is maturity. You hope that every step along the way makes you better than the step before. Uh, they used to ask John Wesley, the great evangelist in the Anglican church, they would say, uh, you know, what is your mission for doing ministry? And he says, well, my mission is pretty simple. If it works, even if I hate it, I use it. And if it doesn't work, even if I love it, I throw it out. And his goal was to be better the next moment than he was the previous moment. Now, there was a lot of going in the opposite direction. There was a lot of failure, but he knew that if he just kept reaching, if he kept growing, if he kept doing the things that he was called to do, that he would be stronger and better for it. Uh, I remember uh, uh, one of the stories about Muhammad Ali uh, talking about that, you know, when he was a first, well, he was a fighter, the, one of the first times he ever boxed in a ring, this was when he was an amateur, he got his clock cleaned. Someone just took him out and he thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to give it up. And he was so upset about this until the manager said, look, this is why you learn. This is why you grow. Your body's going to grow stronger. Your soul, your heart's going to grow stronger. Your skills are going to grow stronger. And so what are the ways that you are growing stronger? What are the ways that you are uh, developing in your maturity as you are trying the something that God has put on your heart? And then finally, and this is one that I think is important, you know, when I got to the E in some, I really pondered this particular letter for a long time because it takes effort. And I think effort is the easy one to go to in this. But I think more importantly is encouragement, to both seek encouragement and to offer encouragement. It's sort of like the way the Sermon on the Mount, when the Beatitudes are preached, Jesus talks so much in the Beatitudes about if you do this, then this will uh, happen to you. If you offer this, then you will receive. If you are merciful, then you'll receive mercy. If, you know, if you're mourning, you will be comforted. And that is really the way encouragement works. Encouragement throughout Scripture is seen as the response for how we have first been encouragers. And therefore, the more encouraging we are to others on their journey, the more we receive encouragement. That's just a natural human reaction and response. So I want to encourage you during this season of new beginnings to be as encouraging of others' new beginnings as you can be, to offer them the type of encouragement and word of grace that they will need on those difficult days when they need a little more obedience just to stay the course. Uh, my wife and I have been married for over 30 years, and we have three adult daughters now. Two of them are married. We now have a, our first grandchild. And, and when you have adult children, uh, you, there will be a transition time when you're going from them being you know, young adolescents to being teenagers to then being adult children. I hope that you're growing and developing as a parent. And I had to learn this the hard way. When my oldest child, Sarah Grace, uh, was going from being, I remember it was when she was 14 years old, and she was wanting to have these opinions of her own, and she was not wanting to, you know, have to do everything with mom and dad. Well, there were things that I had to come into my own spirit about, about how I was going to be able to be her parent. But here's what I learned, friends, is that the older you get as a parent, the longer you are on this road, the fewer and fewer arrows you have in, the, in your quiver. 
Right now, the only arrow I have really as a parent is encouragement. And it is an important, important arrow, though. And it's one that none of us can live without in this world. We need encouragement to be able to accomplish the things that we set our minds to. None of us, none of us are able to accomplish the important things that God has put into our life, whether it's a New Year's resolution or a new season or circumstance, unless we have a cheerleader, someone who is helping to, to, to guide us on uh, through the journey. Uh, I do believe that for every circumstance and every situation that God angles people with certain gifts into our lives. And I think some of the most important people that he's going to angle into your life is the, those who are your cheerleaders. But he's also angling you to offer cheer and encouragement for others. So friends, I hope that this has been helpful. Again, grab the book. You can't do everything, so do something. Uh, it's a great, simple read. Uh, in fact, Lynn Sweet, uh, who is a, a wonderful Christian thinker, considered one of the 50 most important Christian thinkers of the 20th century, uh, was the one who wrote the foreword. It's just a simple book, though, about what are the things that keep us from being able to start new things and accomplish new resolutions, and then what are the things that make us better each step along the way. Friends, you know I love you. I hope you go into the world and be salt and light. You matter. God bless you. Hey friends, several years ago I wrote a book called You Can't Do Everything, So Do Something. And it was from a sermon series about New Year's resolutions and how we were able to face the new year or maybe just a new beginning of a, a particular time in our life. Well, we want to encourage you. If you would send your donation of $15 or more, we will send you a signed copy of You Can't Do Everything, So Do Something. And if you're preparing yourself for a new season or just trying to start the year off right, we encourage you to get this resource. So email us at info at morewestcenter.org or you can go to journeywise.network and you can send your donation in and put that on the memo of the donation and we will get that book out to you. Bless you.